Hey there. How's everybody doing? Yeah, great to see you. It's great to see you. Hey, it was about eight months ago, nine months ago or so, my wife and I got, uh, we were going to go out to dinner. We weren't really sure where to go, but we uh, got a coupon in the mail uh, for a restaurant, so we knew that that was the Lord leading us. Um, so we decided to go there for dinner, and uh, we hadn't been there, uh, we hadn't been to this restaurant for a while, so we thought, oh man, it's going to be fun. And uh, we got there. And uh, we get towards the end of the meal, and I'm looking for the server because I'm looking for a refill on my Coke. And um, kind of out of the, so I've kind of got my body turned to, um, to kind of flag the guy down. When out of the corner of my eye, I see my wife, and she jumps out of her seat with a napkin, just slams her hand on the ground, and then sits back down. And I say, um, are you okay? And she says, um, well, yeah, but there was a roach on the table. And I said, I'm sorry? And she said, well, here's the, na-. I said, let me see the napkin. So she gives me the napkin and it's like, I mean, this thing was like the size of a mini Cooper. And, uh, and I'm like, okay. Um, <clears throat> and so I flagged down the, the guy, finally, the server finally comes over. I tell him about the Coke that I need. And then uh, I say, listen, I'm going to need to see your manager. And so I show him the napkin. He says, oh, I'm going to get him right away. The manager comes over and, uh, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like, what do you say as a manager when you're going to, fix this. This was his opening line. Okay. He comes over and this is his opening line. I know we have a problem. Like I know roaches are running amok in the restaurant. We just haven't done anything about it essentially is what he's saying. Um, and I'm like, okay. And he's, he, he so I, I'm like, I was like, listen, um, I know it's a problem. We're working on it. And then he says, and then, you know, he's like, well, you know, the economy said, you ever notice everybody's blaming the economy for everything. They, this guy was blaming the economy for the roaches. You know, the economy's tough. And so the people next door moved out. And so now like they weren't fumigating. And so, so I'm like, so apparently the roaches all moved in there. So they're going to open up a shop in there. And, uh, and he says, yeah, there, there were all there. So we started fumigating next door. And he says, but you know what happens when you fumigate? It makes them mad. And I said, I, I thought it made them dead, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I said, but I was under the impression that they, when you fumigate, they don't like live anymore. And, um, and he says, well, so that's why, you know, we have a roach problem in the restaurant, but we haven't fixed it yet. And so anyway, Carrie and I are walking out after the whole thing is over. And, um, <clears throat> and I, I say to her, I, I say to Carrie, I say, you know, it was kind of a good news, bad news evening. And she's like, what could possibly have been good news about this. I'm like, bad news. There was a roach. Good news is we got the meal for free. I'd make that trade uh, again. And she's like, I don't even want to talk to you right now. So anyway, we didn't. And uh, now, now here's the thing. There are, there are things in life that you just don't want to know about, right? And it's okay if you don't know about it, because it's probably not going to hurt you too much if you just decide, I don't want to have any information on this topic. Um, the other day, this is probably, um, just keeping my, my theme. Um, uh, the, it was about a week or two ago. Um, I was eating a hot dog, you know, and I'm down with a dog every once in a while. And so I'm eating a dog and my wife starts to tell me about how hot dogs are made. And she's like, do you know how many, uh, rat hairs per 100 dogs are allowed by the FDA? And I'm like, stop right there. I don't want to know. Oh, but I thought you liked hot dogs. I'm like, oh, I do. And I want to keep liking hot dogs. That's why I don't want to know any of this information that you want to share with me. And listen, there are, that's why there are things that if you don't know it, probably not a big deal. 
There are things that, you know, that if you don't know, that actually will hurt you. There, there, this is true physically. This is true absolutely spiritually. Um, if you've been around Calvary for a while, you've heard one of my favorite quotes. It's from a guy named A.W. Tozer in his book uh, that's called The Knowledge of the Holy. Uh, in the first chapter of The Knowledge of the Holy, he says this, this quote, What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, here's why. is because many times what we can do is we can actually create a false image of God in our minds, in our hearts. We kind of piece together what people have said about God. We have pieced together what people have written about God. And we, we have our own experiences and our own biases towards what we believe about God. And then we kind of put this whole picture together and what we create in our minds and in our hearts is a lot more of a caricature than it is a real picture of who God is. And sadly, what happens many times is that we miss out on really knowing God because we have an image of God in our minds and in our hearts that isn't real. But see, on the flip side of that, when a person really knows him, when a person really has an experience with God and walks with him and has a right picture of God in their heart, in their mind, in their spirit. They know God's true nature, his true character, his true love and desire for us. (coughs) Pardon me. Then it's impossible to stay away. That's why the song that we're looking at is such an important one. In fact, if you weren't with us last time, we started a brand new series that's called Magnificat. And uh, the reason we call it that is because um, in this song, the song of Mary that we look at, what theologians call it, because in Latin, the first word is magnificat, so that's why it gets the title that it gets. Plus, we're also high culture here at Calvary, so we like to say things in their Latin title uh, because, you know, everybody's speaking Latin these days. Um, So, uh, but this is what makes this song so powerful. The song is powerful because Mary has a depth of relationship with God that caused her to trust God even in the midst of one of the most scariest moments of her life. I want you to think about it if we could. Imagine being 14 years old, engaged, God telling you you're going to have a baby even though you've never had sex. I mean, we're going to go ahead and file that under scary moments in the life of a teenager. Um, I mean, that is just, I mean, what do you do there? And here's the thing, is that Mary knew that once God was going to do this thing in her, that in her life, Um, in her physical body, that listen, her life was going to change from that very moment. Her life was going to change because people were going to talk about her. There would be rumors spoken of her. There would be things said about her that, listen, would would change her. Even when she wasn't around, when she was around, this child that she had, uh, there would be things that were spoken uh, about her. But even in the midst of all of that, there was a confidence of who God is. That's why when she sings this song, the, the first Christmas song, the song of Christmas, this Magnificat that she sings, it, it shows us something about her. It shows us the confidence that she has in God. And that's why I, don't, I didn't want to just rush through it. And I said, we need to just take this kind of a couple verses at a time to really take in and really absorb what it is that Mary was saying. Because what she does in these two verses that we're going to look at, the, the middle verses of this, of this song that she sings, she gives us, she sings about three of God's most important attributes. And here's why this is so important. It's not just the lyrics to a song. No, instead it's something much more powerful. They are <clears throat> what I believe could be the theme of our lives. 
They could be something that, listen, if you're here and you're going through, a, you're in a scary place in your life. You're in a difficult season. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe um, your marriage is a little on the rocks. Listen, can I tell you something? This message is for you because Mary's song is for you. If you've gotten a diagnosis from the doctor that, that's got you a little worried, um, then you need to listen to Mary's song because Mary's song is for you. It's your song. Listen, if you watched in horror at what happened in Connecticut this week, and you just wonder what in the world is happening in the world in which we live. And there's this part of you that just cried out, that just said, God, how much longer? I mean, how much longer do we have to deal with this? Do we have to see this? That this stuff just keeps escalating? until you're going to come back and really um, make things right. If your heart said that, then my friends, Mary's song is for you. It's not just Mary's song. It's your song. It's our song. It can be the theme song of our lives. If you're here, listen, and you're not even sure what you believe about God. You have some ideas about God, but you're not even really positive. Then listen, this is the perfect place for you. Because you're going to learn from the lips of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who God really is. So we're going to start, if you'd open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. Uh, open your Bibles, open your Bible app, or whatever you've got, iPad, iPhone. Um, if you're not walking with God and you have an Android, uh, you know, so sorry, sorry, sorry. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Um, all right, we're going to start in verse 49. Uh, <laughs> It says, for he, she says this, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. I want to show you how to sing at Christmas because I want to show you these three attributes of God that Mary sings about. The first thing that she says is that he who is mighty has done great things for me. And the first thing that we want to note is this, if you're taking notes in your outline, and that is that God has power available to you. He has power available to you. One of the, listen, there's two sins that we commit as Christians. We commit the sin of overestimating our own power. And then we commit the sin of under, uh, 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 of underestimating God's power. And listen, the problem with both is that they both distort our view of God and our view of ourselves. And sometimes we think that our power is unlimited and then what God will do is he will bring a circumstance into our life to show us how powerless we really are. And listen, I think all of us want to think of ourselves as more powerful than we are. My, I have three kids. Many of you, if you're part of Calvary, you know that. I have, uh, my daughter will be six next month. Uh, my son is three and a half. And then my daughter, Olivia, will be one in like two weeks, if you can believe that. Um, and here's the thing. My kids think that I can do anything. Um, and I'll be honest, I actually rather like that that they think that they think their mom can see anything because they will turn a corner and she'll say, and, and you know, Carrie will say, Mia, I see you doing, don't do this. And she's like, how did you know? Because I see everything, you know? So anyway, um, but you know, to this day, like my daughter, to this day, my daughter thinks I'm a real ninja to this day. And it's like, she saw something on the computer one time I was working on the computer and she's like, puppy, I know you're a real ninja because I saw it on the computer. And I'm like, let's keep that between us. You know, so anyway, um, in fact, but the kids think I can do anything. I'm driving them to school, right? 
And um, we're, we're driving down. And, you know, it's like my kids start school at 8, so it's 7.30 in the morning. We're driving, and the sun is just beaming in through the front windshield, and it's just wiping them out. And they're like, Bobby, can you please move the sun? It's right in our eyes. And I say, okay, guys, no problem. And I was right at the, the, the street that I was going to make the turn, so I turned. And now we're driving like this, and the sun's not bothering. I'm like, oh, Bobby, thanks so much. That's much better. I'm like, my pleasure. You know, so uh, now, so the other day, uh, this is probably a couple weeks ago, Mia comes to me and she says, Bobby, my Ariel doll broke. Can you, can you fix it? Sure. And I do this because at my house, I make everything a big deal, uh, you know, because we joke around a lot. So I'm like, all right, let's go to the garage. That is the toy emergency room. So then I have this table and then I get like my little tools out and I got, which is mostly like a screwdriver and glue um, and, and like a pair of pliers. And so anyway, so she brings me Ariel and Ariel is not broken the way I thought. I mean, Ariel is completely decapitated. Uh, and I'm like, what happened? And she's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, her kappa is completely detated. And she's like, well, I don't know. And so she's kind of doing it. And so I re- and now this is probably way more information than you want, but the way they made this toy is that they kind of made like these two plastic pieces and then you pop the head on the one side and then the, the body, the other side goes in where the neck is, but it could cut in the middle. And so I couldn't get the two pieces because they were sh- too short to glue them together. And I'm like, Mia, I, I have bad news. Um, I can't fix Ariel. And I mean, she starts like coming unglued. She's like, what are you saying? I mean, it's like short-circuiting, like not compute, you know. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just not going to work. And, and she's like, and she starts working. I'm like, but I do have good news. What's that? I can, you, we can get in the car and drive to Target, and I will buy you a new one because they're only five bucks. <laughs> okay, that's good. And uh, so she's like, I'll just go ahead and throw this one away now. You know, I'm like, all right, well, we've moved on. Uh, and so now, listen, and here's the thing. If we have a distorted view, if you have a distorted view of God, if you have a distorted view of yourself, you know what you'll find? You will find it very difficult to trust God because you will always think that you can figure it out. And listen, one of the challenges that we live with in our lives, one of the tensions of what it is to be human is to live in the tension of trusting God for a better future and taking matters into our own hands. And we kind of just, it's back and forth, back and forth. And the reality is, we don't experience God's power when we're taking matters into our own hands. What we're experiencing there is the only thing we can experience, which is our ability to manage or change a circumstance, which isn't much. When we decide to trust God, we now avail ourselves to God's power, which is available to us. That's why Mary says this. She says, he who is mighty has done great things for me. You can't say he who is mighty has done great things for me if you're doing everything yourself. But she says, he who is mighty has done great things to me. And listen, like, if we want to tap into God's power that's readily available to us, we have to remember what God has done for us. And see, there's something that happens. And those of us who have been Christians for a while, let me talk to those of us who have been Christians for a bit. Um, There was a time when you first became a believer, and those of you that are, you're, you're newer Christians, you're, you're in that season, and it's such an amazing season. But there's a season where you see God in everything that happens. Everything. 
Um, and, and it's, you know, you're, you, you get the front spot at Publix and you're like, I knew the Holy Spirit just made it happen. You know, and you're like, you just, it was, it was God that gave you the front spot um, at, at Publix. Sure, Publix was closed, but you know, you got the front spot. And, um, and, and so you got, but then, you know, you had to go in, you know, maybe you, you had to go into Publix and, and you, you know, and I had to get pickles. And then I went and I went to just the right aisle and they had pickles and I knew we connected the Lord and me and, oh, it was good. And I said, hallelujah, in the, in the aisle. And there were people there, but I didn't care. And, you know, and you, right, you have this, you have this whole thing. You do this, you do this whole thing um, because you're just praising God for his provision in the pickle aisle. But then something happens. Listen, then something happened. Then we got mature. Then we got mature. And guess what happened? We didn't see, we, and in fact, what it really is, is that we got used to what God does. We got used to the miraculous that God does in our lives. We forgot what it meant to be lost. And then what, what took place was, is that um, there was something weird that happened, is that then we thought, oh yeah, God did it, but I helped too. And we moved there and, and we started to see, well, God did that because I did this. And that's because I'm really good that then God wanted me to do that. And that's why it happened. And really, it wasn't so much about because God did us because I was good. And then God did it for me. And then and now it becomes all about what we did rather than what God did. You see, if you want to have joy like Mary had, even in a difficult circumstances, in a troublesome season, you've got to sing Mary's song. And Mary's song is that I rejoice in the mighty things that God has done for me. And I remember that God isn't done yet in my life. And there's so much more that he's going to do, but he's the one who did it. The Bible says it this way, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we keep looking for God to do that work, but that it's God that's doing the actual work. It's God that's doing the transformation in me. And I don't take credit for it because he is the one that's mighty. And he is the one that's been doing the work in me. And now he wants to do the work through me. So he says in verse 49, he was done great. Uh, he was mighty, has done great things for me. And holy is his name. The second thing I want to show you about Mary's song and how to sing at Christmas is that God's attributes are revealed to you. God's attributes are revealed to you and to me. Can I ask you this? How many of you are parents? If I can ask that. Okay. How many of you really, I mean, you kind of like agonized over naming your kids. Can I ask that? Like that was a real serious, you took it very seriously, naming your kids. All right, four people took it seriously, naming their kids. Everybody else just opened a baby book, picked one and said, guess what, kid? Your name's Ezekiel. Let's move on. All right. That's fine. But that's just how it happened. Now for us, for Carrie and I, naming our first two kids was very easy. Uh, it took, as some of you know the story, but it took my wife and I 10 years uh, to have our first child, my daughter, Mia Grace. And um, when, when we were praying for all those years and asking God to bless us with a child, there's a passage of scripture that God would give us all the time from 2 Corinthians. And he would say, my grace is sufficient for you. And so when we were going to name our daughter, we thought what better name would be to name her than the verse that God gave us all those years. So when, you know, we named her my grace, Mia Grace, that's her name. When my son was born, so that was an easy one. I mean, we knew that almost immediately. When, when my son was born, um, my wife said, we should name him Robert Alexander after you. And I said, as long as you never call him Bob, I'm fine with that. Um, so we call him Xander. Um, but when we were naming our daughter Olivia, I mean, we, I mean, the, Carrie and I just went back and forth for months. 
it was only until like three or four weeks before her baby shower that we had decided a name. And we just went back and forth because I would, come, I would, I would pick a name to carry and she'd go, uh-uh. Why is that? No, no, no. I knew a girl that had that name in high school and that girl was a snob and no daughter of mine is going to be a snob. And I, all right. And then Carrie would come back another day and she'd say, well, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, no way. I'll never name a child of mine that. Uh, I I used to know a girl in ninth grade who had that name and she was a weirdo and no daughter of mine is going to be a weirdo. And uh, so no, thank you. And, and so, and we kind of went back and forth with this. And eventually we agreed on Olivia. Um, We actually hadn't even agreed on a middle name. And um, Mia, uh, my daughter, um, got involved and she said, well, we should name her Olivia Grace because we're going to be twins. And I'm like, you know, that's not really how it works, you know, because you're like five years older than her. No, but we're going to, people are going to say we're twins. Okay. Now I saw, like this morning, um, we, she woke up and so the, all the kids were laying on our bed. I'm not sure how that works, uh, but they were all awake. They were laying on our bed. And I'm like, Mia, your sister's calling you. And she's like, that's because she thinks I'm her mommy. And I'm like... That's probably it. Uh, that's probably it. And, um, but anyway, so we, we picked Olivia. Olivia uh, is actually derived from a term from olive tree uh, in Hebrew. That, um, and the olive tree was a symbol of God's blessing in Israel. So we kind of went that. Also, Carrie likes to show fringe. So we went with that. Um, so, and, uh, but now, one of the things, now everyone should think about this. Um, one of the greatest gifts that you can give a child as a parent is to give them their name. I really believe that's one of the most powerful gifts we give a child is we give them their name because names are so significant. But I don't know if you've ever thought about giving yourself a name. Um, and I re- the thing, I've been thinking this since I was in high school because I had a friend that I met in the ninth grade whose name was Steve Sue. I, if you've been around here for a while, I've talked about Steve Sue on occasion. Um, Steve Sue was actually, um, he's uh, Korean. Uh, his family's from South Korea. They came to America and, um, when, and he told me his first name, but it was completely unpronounceable to me. I'm just not used to that kind of dialect. But um, anyway, so he, he told me his name. He says, but you know, so I, but I changed my name to Steve. I'm like, well, how does, no, when I got to America, he says, my parents told me I had to pick an American name. And I'm like, now how did, so how did you come up with Steve? Steve's a fine name, but how did you come up with Steve? And he said, well, I was watching TV one day and there was this guy who's on TV, his, whose name was Steve, and he seemed pretty cool. So I thought, Steve's a good name, I'll go with Steve. And I thought, man, that's like so random. And I'm like, what if you were watching like Alf? Or Mork and Mindy? And I'm telling you, Mork would not have gone well at our school. And, uh, and anyway, so, so he's, he's telling me all this. And, and it, so I've always had this thought of, man, what would happen if I had to like move somewhere and pick my own name? Anyway, I've, I've thought about this for years, and I, I've, I've come up with this. I have the answer to this. I've always said that if I had to pick my own name, I would name myself Handsome. Yeah, no, listen, now listen, there's a reason for this. There's a reason for this, and it's not completely narcissistic. Um, now, the reason is because, think about this. If your name was Handsome, and every time you walked in the room, people would say, Hey, what's up, Handsome? You'd be like, Yes, I am. You would have, like, the, the best self-esteem in the world. I'm telling you, it'd be awesome. And uh, so anyway, some of you, there's a lot of pregnant women in this church. And I just want you to know you have my permission. And uh, because your child will know they have value and worth because they have the name Handsome, Franquas, whatever your last name is. All right. And so <laughs> now 
That's a long way around the barn to tell you this. Um, Mary sings a song. And so she starts by saying, he who is mighty has done great things for me. And then she says this, and holy is his name. Holy is his name, that God's name is holy. Holy means that he is set apart and special. What makes God's name special is that God's name defines who he is. It reveals his characteristics and attributes. When, um, When God appears to Moses and says, I want you to go to Egypt and free the people of Israel. What does he ask him? He says, well, what if I go and they don't believe? Who should I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. You tell them that I am has sent me to you. Now, I want you to think about this because you don't know someone until you know their name. In fact, that's one of the ways that we understand uh, a person is by, under, by knowing their name, the name that's, a t- that's tied to knowing them. That's when you don't know someone, you, you call him what's his name? Because that's just the, the fundamental thing about knowing someone is, under, is understanding and knowing their name. And so God's answer to, well, who should I say sent me is, I am that I am. What does that mean? I am that I am is that name. It's, it's four consonants in Hebrew, Y-H-W-H, which um, is translated Yahweh, which means the becoming one. Why does, what does that mean, the becoming one? It means that God is able to, be, to become and be whatever it is that we need. And throughout the Bible, God reveals his name and shows us that he really is the becoming one. One of the names of God, how he's revealed himself in the Bible, is Yahweh Jireh in Hebrew, which means the Lord who provides. Those of us that have known, known the Lord, we, we've experienced Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who provides. Some of us, we, we, we've gotten to know this God, Yahweh Rapha in Hebrew, which means um, I am the Lord who heals you. Some of us have experienced that in our lives. Some of us have experienced um, this, this, the way that God has revealed his name um, is Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord who is our peace. And if you've ever experienced the peace of God in your life in a difficult time, then you've come into contact with Yahweh Shalom. God has revealed himself to us um, in this name, Yahweh Roy, the Lord who is our shepherd. And if you're someone who's following Jesus, then you, you know that he is the, the shepherd and we are the sheep following him. You see, Mary knows him because she knows his name. By the way, I, I, it drives me crazy. And if I can just tell you a pet peeve of mine, and that is when people call God the man upstairs, like that drives me nuts. Because do you want to know something? You know what Christmas is all about? That the man upstairs came downstairs. The man who was upstairs came downstairs and died for us so that we can live upstairs with him eternally. That's what it's all about. So it's not just about him being upstairs. It's about the fact that he was upstairs, but he came downstairs to save us, to teach us, to show us who he is. And many times we miss out on the blessing of God because our perception of God is wrong. And we've been singing the wrong song this this whole time. And Mary's song comes from someone who knows who is the true and living God and has experienced the goodness and the grace of God in their lives. Now let me... That there is, once again, power available to us. There is a name that's revealed to us that shows us who God is. And sometimes what will happen is we'll call on that name. In fact, we're commanded in Scripture to call on that name. Let me read you an amazing promise of the scriptures from, uh, from uh, the Gospel of John. It says this. I put it in your notes. 
It says, and whatever you ask, think about this. Whatever you ask in my name, that is just Jesus speaking. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, my friends, there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. In my opinion, this has to be the greatest promise of them all. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That is a bold promise. But see, most of us know the flip side of that. We know the flip side of that, that there are things that we've prayed for in Jesus' name that haven't come to pass. We've sought God for a situation, a circumstance, a person, a position, finances, family, in Jesus' name, and they haven't worked out exactly the way that we hoped. That somehow the prayer wasn't answered, the request wasn't fulfilled, somehow the promise never saw the light of day. And listen, and we said, but man, I prayed in Jesus' name. And what happened? There's a promise, but how come the promise wasn't fulfilled in what it is that I was asking for? Well, it's because we didn't really know the name. We were praying in the name, but we didn't understand what that means because the prayer that we prayed wasn't consistent with the character and nature of the name that we were calling on. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Listen, we live in a world where things are so crazy. We live in a world and we look at what happened. Right? We, we, see, we see what happened this week and we say, God, how, how, how does this happen? But see, sometimes we forget that systematically over the last 30, 40, 50 years in our culture, we've been saying, God, we would like you to leave. Whether it's school, whether it's, um, you know, culture, whatever it is, we've been trying as a culture to create a completely secular culture, devoid of God. And this is what the end result is. That's why the prophets would say, those who sow to the wind... They don't reap the wind, they reap the whirlwind. And my friends, what we see today, as horrifying as it is, it's simply the whirlwind of a culture who has said, God, we do not want you to be part of this. That's why we, we, listen, we have to be very careful when people say, well, where's God when this happened? Oh, God was there. And God was weeping. Because there's a culture who has asked him not to be part of it. And this is the end result. And so my friends, as we pray and as we pray in Jesus' name, I mean, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean in our lives and the lives of our families and in, 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 our, in our marriages and in our, in our careers and in the people that we care about and the world around us? What, what, we, we, need to, we need to know and understand. Let me give you three things about praying in Jesus' name that will help us understand it. Praying in Jesus' name speaks of his authority. It speaks of his authority. Listen, how do we inherit something? You inherit something through relationship, through your name. You have the same last name, and that um, gets you some kind of inheritance, right? So we don't come to God on our authority. We come to God on Jesus' authority. That's why we end our prayers, and we say, in Jesus' name. We don't, say, we don't say in Jesus' name because it sounds cool or it's the spiritual version of 10-4, good buddy. We say it because, listen, when we pray uh, whatever we ask of God and then we say in Jesus' name, we're praying in the authority of the name of Jesus. And what does um, Philippians 2 tell us? That God has given him, Jesus, the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ 
is Lord. The second thing is this. We pray, uh, praying in, in Jesus' name speaks of his authority. Number two, praying in Jesus' name assures our compatibility. What do I mean by that? Um, yesterday, Xander hurt himself. He was running and he fell and he bonked his head on the ground. Um, and he, he has this big bump and bruise on his forehead, which is pretty much how he lives his life with bruises and bumps all over him because he's a crazy kid. Um, but he's crying hysterically because he bumped his head and it really was, you know, pretty prominent. So I pick, I scooped him up and, um, and he's crying and I'm, and and he's, and I'm like, I'm trying to calm him down. He won't calm down. And I'll say, um, buddy, do do you want a lollipop? Yeah, I'd love a lollipop, uh, which is pretty much exactly how it happened. So I go to the kitchen um, and then I get him this little, you know, those little like boo-boo things. He has one of Lightning McQueen. And because uh, what, what would his life be if it didn't involve cars? Uh, so he then puts it on his forehead and then he has a lollipop uh, that he has. And then uh, and he knows that when he gets if he gets hurt, you know, that's one of the things that we do with our kids. If they get hurt uh, real pretty bad, you know, they, they can have a lollipop. And so but then later on, um, uh, he asks Carrie and he says, Mommy, um, Bobby said I could have another lollipop. And Carrie says, no, he didn't. He says, no. Bumpy said, if I'm hurt, I can have a lollipop. And see, with Xander, is the, the, uh, the lollipop had run out, but he still had a little lingering pain left. So he thought, as long as I still feel minor discomfort, I can still keep shotgunning lollipops as long as this, I can let, uh, as long as this goes. Now, my wife says to him, no. And even though Xander was speaking in my name, Bobby said I could have a lollipop, there's something that Carrie, my wife, knew about me that she knows we don't allow kids to just keep having lollipops as long as they feel some minor discomfort. Well, my head's feeling better, but my toe's not that great. Um, you know, they just can't keep having lollipops. So listen, even though he spoke in my name, the request wasn't answered. And the same thing happens when we pray in Jesus' name. We can't pray in Jesus' name. Listen, we can't pray in Jesus' name all day long, but the request has to be compatible with the character and nature of Jesus. Um, what was it? On Friday, we were driving. We were picking out where uh, this place where um, we're going to do Olivia's uh, first birthday party. And so we're driving back home. We're getting back on I-75. And so they were doing some construction where we were. And essentially, I was all the way in the right lane because I was getting ready to go south on 75. And so I'm ready to go straight. And as I'm crossing the, the, I'm crossing the, the cross street, this white car from the middle lane just guns it, gets in front of me, and just makes the right turn from the middle lane. And, uh, I mean, it's like a crazy situation. Carrie screams. The kids thought it was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, And then I'm, I'm thinking thoughts, right? I can't repeat them, but I'm thinking them. Um, and this guy cut me off. I mean, it made me so angry that the guy would be so irresponsible in how he, how he drove. I mean, I got little kids in my car. And, and, but see, if I prayed, God, would you take that idiot and turn him into a frog so I could just squash him on the road and laugh maniacally <laughs> as I do it? I would be so grateful in Jesus' name. Right. You see, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, why? Because it's not compatible with what we know about Jesus. But see, if I, I can, and now, but if I pray, Lord, that guy is a danger to himself and others. Help him see that in Jesus' name.
and let me know if you're into it about the frog thing. You know, <laughs> you know right? But that, that's, that's the deal. Now, now this is a, in 1 John, uh, which we studied a few months ago. Listen to what he says. This is right towards the end of the book. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have asked, that we have what we ask of him. Now, here's the third thing about praying in Jesus' name, is that praying in Jesus' name reveals his glory. That everything God does, he does so that he will be glorified because we were created as worshipers. Every person is not, um, well, I've decided that, you know, you either worship God or you worship, you know, nothing. No, everyone worships something. And so, but our lives work best because we were created to worship God. So God does things so that he is glorified because that's how our lives work best. And listen, sometimes that's why some of us don't know God or why we've stayed away from God, simply because we've been singing the wrong song. In fact, if I, if I could be so bold, can, can, I, can we just talk about this for a moment? Um, sometimes God doesn't answer the way we would want him to answer because if he answered, uh, if he did, the song would be about us. Oh God, I really want you to do this in my life. Why? Because I would look so awesome if you did it. You see, uh, you know, maybe the reason we've been praying for our spouse to change and maybe God hasn't changed our spouse the way we want our spouse to change is because if they did, if that per- if they did change the way we want them to change, we would receive all the glory for it. And it would be all, everything would be about how they were wrong and we were right. And then we finally, through our persistence and just awesomeness, we showed them that the, everything about them was wrong. Honey, I love you, but everything about you needs to change. I'm glad you saw that, right? And so that's why God doesn't answer the prayer in that way. Listen, can I, listen sometimes um, maybe the reason why we've sought the promotion and the promotion at work hasn't come has nothing to do with our skills. But it has to do with what would happen right now in our lives if we got it. What if we became smug and arrogant because we weren't able to handle the promotion that was given? And so instead, here's what God does. He says, I'm going to withhold that for a season because there's one or two um, character-building things that, we want to, that I want to work on, that I want to build into you. And once we build those two or three character-building things, I'm actually not just going to give you this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to skyrocket your career in a way that you couldn't even realize. Uh, and it would be farther than you ever even dreamed that you could go yourself. You see, and, and, and we look back, if, if we would do these things and then look back and say, oh, I see what God was doing, but it's all about just changing who the song is about. And see, you're going to find that person that you want to marry you want to spend the rest of your life with. But can I just tell you, it's not going to happen scouring every internet dating site. Oh, no, but it's a Christian one. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's a Christian one. Um, but it's not going to happen when you force it to happen. What, what if we did something else? What if we recognized that us and the person that we're supposed to be with, that we're actually going to cross paths at some point? And so what I need to do right now is not hasten the meeting, but prepare myself for the meeting. What if the thing I have to do right now is not look for Mrs. Wright, but actually prepare myself to be Mr. Wright? 
What if the thing you have to do is not, uh, oh, but I just want to find him and find him. No, no, no. What if I have to be her? Become the woman of God that God wants me to be so that when the meeting does happen, there's a level of maturity and understanding and that we're able now and the relationship just takes off and it's, um, ama- it's just so much better than we could have possibly done it uh, ourselves. And listen, in that way, the song is not about us. The song is about him. About him who is mighty and has done great things for us. And holy is his name. And there's another thing here in verse 50 that, he, that, that she says. She says, and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation. Here's the third point about singing a new song at Christmas. It's that God's mercy is directed to you. It's directed to you. You see, God isn't just mighty. He isn't just holy. He's also merciful. And that mercy is directed towards all people. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That even though all of us, every single one of us in this room are sinners, that means that we've known the right thing and we've done the wrong thing. And that severed, broke our relationship with God. And yet God loved us enough. He loved us so much, in fact, that he just couldn't bear to leave us in that condition. And instead, he sent his son. That's what we celebrate. God sending his son into the world. And that baby in a manger eventually became the man on the cross. The man who rose again. And offers us life and forgiveness and peace and grace and eternal life. Through him. You see, what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. See, what we deserve is God's punishment and wrath. What does he give us? Forgiveness, grace, love. The Bible would say it this way in Psalm 136. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords as mercy endures forever. In this one psalm, Psalm 136, 26 times they sing of God's mercies enduring forever. You know why? Because his mercies endure forever. That's who our God is. He's merciful. He's, he's forgiving. He's gracious. And the longer that we walk with him, the more that should affect our lives. Think about that. The longer that we walk with him, the more that should affect our lives. That means as you come to know Jesus, we have this opportunity as we allow him into our lives that we can let go of bitterness. We can let go of hate. We can let go of revenge and hurt by coming to him, by coming to know him who is mighty and holy and merciful. God is so merciful to us because when we come to him, he gives us forgiveness of our past, peace in our present And he gives us hope for the future. You see, my friends, if anything that happened um, this week, as tragic as it is, if it taught us anything, it's that we are not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are. And that being the case, that's why the Bible would say, today is the day of salvation. Jesus in the book of Revelation says this. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, he'll open the door. And I'll come in and sup with him, have a meal with him. That is a picture in in an ancient Hebrew culture of of fellowship. That's when you... um, 
that eating together was an intimate act. It was an act of friendship and fellowship and camaraderie together, that, that we were closer than friends. And see, I don't know what brought you here today. I don't know what it is that, that brought you here. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe someone close to you hurt you. Maybe life hasn't turned out the way you wanted it to. And for all of those things, I'm sorry. But here's what I do know. What I do know is that Jesus died for us and that he rose again from the dead. But I can't believe these things happen in our world. Yeah, I understand that. Listen, when Jesus was born, there was a madman named Herod who wanted to destroy all the kids because there was another king who wasn't him, who was this king, Jesus. He understands pain. He understands hurt. This God that we serve, listen, understands what it is for the innocent to be hurt because that's what happened on the cross. My friends, we should have to die for our own sins. But instead, you know what happened? God sent his son into the world, this innocent child who became the man who willingly died for us and offers us life, offers us peace, offers us forgiveness, offers us life eternal if we come to him. And so I want to give you an opportunity today as we close that maybe God brought you here for a myriad of reasons, but the reason that he brought you here is for you to come to know him, to enter into a relationship with him. Because we don't know what the future holds. But we know that he's past, present, and future, that he doesn't change, that we can hold on to him no matter what happens. So let's pray together. And Lord, we thank you We thank you for your love. We thank you that your son Jesus died for us and offers us life and hope and peace. And Lord, it's our prayer that you would do a work in us, through us. That Lord, whatever hurt that we're carrying, that we can bring it to you. Whatever emptiness we're feeling, that you can fill it. Whatever it is in our lives that's broken you can heal it because you were broken for us you died for us and so now you reached out to us in Jesus name amen and listen um, I want to take a moment because I know in a service like this that there's an opportunity that you'd say, you know what? Um, as you heard me talk, you say, I, I want to come to know God. How do I do that? And here's what I'm going to do. I, I want to pray for you. That's all. I want to lead you in a prayer. And so as, as the, the band is going to play in just a moment, and as they do, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually invite you to stand up, come forward to the base of this platform. And right here, you and I, we're going to meet. We're going to pray. And we're going to see God begin to do an amazing work in your life. Do you know why we do this? Why we have people stand up and, and come forward? Is because every person who is a follower of Jesus, Jesus called publicly. 
There were no secret disciples. There were only disciples that Jesus called in public. He said, hey, follow me. And they left everything and followed him. And here's what I know. Is that if you can make a stand in a church setting when everyone is going to cheer you on, you're going to be able to stand for him in a world that doesn't know him. Listen, God loves you so much. And there's probably, and I just, there, there, there's some people in this room that there was crazy things that happened this week that actually brought you here. And you're thinking, Pastor, you don't even know what happened this week for me to actually be here. I don't. But I know this, God orchestrated everything for you to be here in this place so that you could hear the message of salvation. And so you could come to know him and be changed by his grace and by his love, by his mercy. And that the song that Mary sings, that him who is mighty has done great things for me. God wants to do great things for you. He wants to change your life. So when the band plays, you stand up, you come forward, and you're, we pray together, and God will begin that work in your life. I'm going to lead you in the same prayer that my older brother led me in 20 years ago. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't made that decision to follow him. But I'm grateful that I did. And I'm praying that you'll make the same choice today. George, lead us. Are you ready? Come forward. I hear your voice, Lord. You're calling me. There's a struggle inside my soul. Cause I'm broken without love I'm burdened without peace Lord, forgive me Please forgive me You're saying, come as you are Towards the love of Christ saying come as you are towards the love of Christ for he brings new life and all of your shame will be washed away all your pain It's a brand new day And all of your shame will be washed away All your pain erased For it's a brand new day And you're forgiven Listen, I'm going to pray with these who have come forward and I just feel, I, I, um, I can't explain, I, I feel something in me that there's a couple of you that are struggling and you're saying, I need to be there and I'm, I'm glued to this chair, but I want to be there. My friend, if something's gluing you to that seat, it's not God. And maybe what you need to do is just call on the name that's above every name. 
and just say, Jesus. And just let his power flow through you and just stand up and, and, and come forward. And just stop the wrestling with God. That maybe this is the moment where God does a work in your life and changes your life forever. Maybe you were brought by a friend. Listen, friend, you come here to Calvary, turn to your friend and say, listen, if you want me to come forward, I'll walk with you. Let's stand together. The band's not going to play again. I'm just, I just feel led to say that. And if this is you, listen, this is God talking to you. So I'm going to give you a second to just make that choice. Say, yes, I'm going to follow him today. I'm going to change the song that I'm singing because he who is mighty wants to do great things in me and in you. says this therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new that's the promise to us as we come to him that the old life all the stuff we've done the stuff that we're not proud of listen here's what the Bible says that all that stuff gets washed away from here on out this is what matters God wants to do a work in your life and change your life. And it begins here. This is the day you can circle on the calendar. Say, this is the date that God started doing an amazing work in me and through me and for me. So I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's not a magic formula or anything, but they might be my words, but they're, um, I believe, what our hearts want to express to God. So let me pray for you. Church, let's pray for these that have come forward. Lord, thank you for hearts that are open, willing, and ready. And God, I ask that as they call out to you, that you would do an amazing work in them and through them. You told us, you promised us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, you will by no means cast out. We thank you for that. And that it doesn't matter what any of us have done, that you love us. You're willing to forgive and give us a fresh start. Listen, those of you that have come forward, I'm gonna invite you to repeat this prayer with me out loud, most importantly, meaning in your heart. Say, Lord God, I open my heart and I invite you inside to be my God, to be my savior, and to be my friend. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. For I've decided today to follow you, Jesus. From this day forever, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Listen.